Welcome to Transformation Simulation, the podcast about agile transformations and personal transformations. Here are your hosts, fraternal agile twins, only separated by four months, 100 pounds, meat consumption, and different parents, Alicia Yannick and Nathan Chawilawu Ashe. Season two, episode two. After the status meeting, the team decides that they need to explore different ways to work, including the use of different tools. Nothing they've done in their past seems well-suited for the challenges they are now facing. The project manager and engineer one volunteer to do some reconnaissance work to look at tools and processes that are commonly used in product delivery and bring their findings back to the team. I took a look at the various tools and think we should focus on Reich, Teamwork, Asana, and Jira. These tools seem to be the most popular. Let's split them up. You take Reich and Teamwork and I'll take Asana and Jira. Sound okay? That works for me. I hope we find something that is going to give us what we need to accomplish this new goal because I'm not feeling very confident right now that we'll be able to pull this off, mate. And that makes me worried. I hear you. Let's dig in, see what we find out and compare notes. How much time do you think we need? How about we get back together tomorrow? That works. Project manager and engineer one reconvene the following day. I don't know about you, but all of these tools claim to foster collaboration, build high-performing teams, and keep everyone organized and focused to manage project to success. My research led me to the same conclusion. The thing is, these software tools are just that, tools. What about how we work? I keep thinking that we need to find a way to work differently, not just organize the work with a different tool. Certainly we could use some tooling help, but there has to be something other than the use of the tool that is the backbone for significant change. Did you notice that some of these tools talked about agile product development? I wonder if we should explore what that means and how it's different than what we do today. I caught that too. It seems like there were references to four frameworks that came up, Scrum, Lean, Kanban, and Crystal. Want to divide them up again, spend the day researching and come back together to compare notes, mate? I'm on board. Don't want to lose my thoughts around a tool for us to try, but I feel like that's just not enough to make a significant difference. I've never seen tools create powerful teams, and the best teams I've worked on weren't great teams because of our tools. The project manager and engineer one conduct their separate research and come back together the next day. Mate, that research was enlightening. No kidding. Why haven't we been working this way? The concept of early delivery of working features really blew my mind. To be able to deliver, gather feedback, and make changes based on that feedback was intriguing. I really got into the values and principles behind these practices. They each offer benefits and seem as though they would be better than what we have currently going on. Scrum and Kanban seem the most likely to work for us, given the nature of what we've been asked to deliver and the skill sets and the personalities of the team. Okay, I might agree with you. Uh, Tell me more about Scrum because Kanban sounded pretty appealing to me. Scrum has a cadence to it. Since we currently operate mostly in really long cycles, having a routine to follow would be helpful. I also think being able to deliver every two weeks to our business, who can act as proxies for our customers, will help us make adjustments as we go. Our integration with A1 is going to be important and not something we've done before. 
making adjustments along the way seems to make more sense than waiting and doing some sort of big bang integration than we have then having to scramble to deal with all that. How does the team organize around the work in Scrum? Here's what's really cool. The team determines what we can do inside of each two-week cycle based on the items the business determines have the highest priority because they deliver the most value. The values behind Scrum include commitment, courage, focus, openness, and respect. I think we already share these values as a team. Building on these behaviors will help us figure out how to work differently. What about our current titles and roles? I'm a developer and we've also got QA. How do those roles work together in Scrum? From what I read, the team shares a common sprint goal and will work together to reach that goal. You might end up sharing the workload with another engineer or even with a tester and vice versa. We work together to get across the finish line. This is going to take some getting used to, but I can see why Scrum would be good. What is it called? A process? A framework, mate. I think it's referred to as a framework because it's not like a recipe. It's not prescriptive about how it's implemented. Well, that was a great script read by our friends, uh, Faye Hall and Lauren Harrison Laws. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Tolino. Uh, Mr. Toledo is a narrator, correct? Yeah. Sweet Tony is a narrator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was a lot. We gave him a lot to say. It. Yep. And they did a great job. Yep. You know, we ask people to do things that they don't normally do, and they show up and do them. They do a great job at them. What is it with us? We're cool. That's it. We're, <laughs> we're cool. just we're just so nerdy. They feel sorry for us. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of volunteer time. <laughs> we gave them a platform where they could nerd out themselves, too. Right. That's true, too. We do have nerdy friends. That's true, yeah. too. Yeah. So, I mean, there was a lot in that. In that uh, oh, Nathan, uh, I think that? we just divulged that we wrote this. Oh. <laughs> the now cat's we can't out of the see, bag. Yeah, now we can't see who wrote this. Why would anyone have written <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. I'm sure professional writers are like, yeah, I bet those non-professional writers wrote that. I could have right, helped them. Right, exactly. And then the Agile people are like, dude, you wrote this? This is great. <laughs> so I sent someone an article today that was off of an Agile blog, uh-huh. and he said uh, – He's a visual designer, and he said, so the content was okay, but the graphics were so bad, I almost didn't read it. He said, and I just knew it was from an Agile blog just because of the way it looked. And I said, yep. Yeah. <laughs> we don't hide it well. Yeah. But anyway, so this was a, there's a lot happening um, in between, I guess I want to say, what is it, when you read between the lines, right? In between the lines of the dialogue in this episode. Right. Yeah, I mean, the team, one of the things that um, was really cool is that the, that these two identified early on that all the tools that they were looking at, they say they foster collaboration and are there for collaboration, but it's really hard to find a tool that really does that, and collaboration is a lot deeper than using the right tool. It Sure. It's not a surprise that that might be where they started, because yeah. I think especially now. So so early on, there weren't that many tools for collaboration. We use sticky notes and we can talk about that in a little bit. But yeah. 
But I think now there's a tendency, if you Google Agile, for example, you get advertisements for tools back. So, of course, that's where we start as a tool. And when you think about, I think most of the time, we assume tools help us to accomplish something. So, if we're trying to adopt and become more agile, why wouldn't we think that a tool would help us to accomplish that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I have a strong opinion about it, but I, 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 I don't think that's the way to start. In fact, I don't think that's the way to start. Right. I don't Just, either. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also yeah. in, in this episode, Nathan, th- we had a lot of conversation or there was a lot of conversation around, well, what, what, what is agile? What does it even mean? And what are the different flavors of it? And why would people use it? And, and how is it defined? And we see the word waterfall used and we see the word process and methodology and framework. And mm-hmm. sorry, let me re-say that. We see the word framework and process and methodology used. And what do those things even mean? And, and does it matter? So we see some of that coming into play in this episode yeah. as well. Yeah. And then there was some reference to, you know, the SDLC, the software development lifecycle. I mean, there's a brief reference to it there. Um, and values and principles, you know, uh-huh. the Agile manifesto values and principles that came up. Something you touched on is, you know, this, um, the framework versus methodology. They lifted some of those, some of the ones we weren't probably as familiar with here in the United States, like Crystal. Crystal uh-huh. was mentioned in there. Uh-huh. Um just want to point out to some of our listeners that there's stuff that's real popular here in the U.S., but there are actually other methodologies that are used in other parts of the world that are very popular that we don't use here. Um, so um, it, Agile has this big umbrella of these frameworks um, that are used to help people find better ways to work. And um, as broad as you can think about them, there's one available and and they, 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 they exist in different forms all over the world. We like, we like ourselves some scrum. So we, we do talk mostly, we talk most, but they talked about Kanban here. They, we, <laughs> with this episode, yeah. <laughs> like the other day, but Kanban's discussed here and we, there's a little brief kind of overview of brief intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, why would you use one versus the other? Yeah. I, I think um, I, I don't want to be too tangential here, because, but I know it, it feels like it might feel like a stretch that I'm saying there are these other frameworks that are used around the world. That, that what I'm getting at is that what we have come to know as Agile or Scrum framework or whatever it is, has originated in other forms in other places and variations of it are used all over the world. Mm-hmm. So just the mindset um, some of the aspects of the lean thinking and the agile mindset that comes along with it. Um, so you're, pri- you're primarily going to get that here in the States. We talk about Scrum and Kanban and those kind of things and other aspects of scale. Um, but it, it's existed for a while and, and it's, it's derived in many aspects in different places around the world. Sorry for the tangent. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Why do you think teams focus on tools so much? I think it's easier to focus on tools. I think businesses um, businesses have a focus on tools mm-hmm. because they want things to be visible. Um, 
they want a tool that people can use to to show the work they're doing to measure it to monitor it to metric it to um, enable the the flow of whatever they've idealized so that business can see it mm-hmm. yeah and visibility is good it is but we talk about information radiators we talk about making things transparent we talk about enabling and allowing and encouraging visibility into what's happening um i think that while a tool can do that where what we rely on sometimes as a tool is the crutch for communication instead of are you okay i just lost you i'm good i was telling sorry it's okay Okay, you do what you're going to do and I'll just pretend like I'm talking to you. All right, let's pick that up. So I think what happens is we rely on. uh, I just quit talking because that sounded dumb. I just felt dumb talking to you as you're running out the door. So I'll just pick that up. I had to close the door because Eileen came up. Right. And she was. She started opening. You didn't. You must not have heard it. Mm-mm. She was opening and closing doors, <laughs> and I'm, I'm hearing this in in my headset. And I was like, "Oh, I gotta close the door." <laughs> so, I first so yelled pick- at her, and I was like, "Come close the door." She's like, "I don't have a shirt a shirt on." Oh. <laughs> I'm on camera, and then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know what's happening at your house on a Wednesday night, but that's not what happened at my house. On this Wednesday. will make it into the podcast. No. This will. She'll love that. That'll be great. All right. <laughs> so let me pick that back up. Um, but I think that we we should use tools to help us radiate out information. Mm-hmm. Where I think we get ourselves into trouble, and where this group kind of realized they were going to be in trouble, was that tools don't substitute for voice-to-voice collaboration. The tools don't substitute, and I'm not talking about the fact that there's so much remote work going on right now and we have to use tools like Mural, for example. Mural didn't pay us for that, but maybe they will, since I mentioned them. Yeah, hopefully, we'll get to, we'll see. But but it's not from using tools. Tools like Zoom can enable communication, but they are not a substitution for communication. They are not a substitution for voice to voice, eyeball to eyeball, and even collaboration that might involve pairing, for example. They should they should encourage that and uplift that, not substitute for it. And maybe that's the difference. I like the way I said that. Encourage it and uplift it, not not substitute for it. But one of the things that we had said we wanted to talk about today was did tools help or hurt early in the Agile journey? And what's so funny is early in my Agile journey was early in Agile and there, there were no tools. In fact, when you went to Scrum School, you came out either using a Excel document as a product backlog, probably, Ooh. and we were taught to use sticky notes or index cards and mm-hmm. create what I call the wall of cards. I can't remember. I'm sure I'm not smart enough to develop that phrase on my own. I think somebody else developed it, but that wall of cards was a vert was a board. It was a physical. I think it was called a physical board or a task board. Was mm-hmm. a physical board, and so I remember we would take. Let me see if I can get these numbers right. Like the 
the four by six, the bigger index cards. And that's what we would write the story on in a particular color. And then all the subtasks to that story were on the littler cards. So what, the three by fives? And right. those would be the subtasks. And it'd be the same color. And so you would just track it across what we now call a Kanban board that we did not call a Kanban board back in the day so that you could visibly see what you were doing. And the connection between them all was that they would be the same color. And the story card would have the story points. And at the time we used to do um, estimates at hours on the task cards and so that the estimates of hours and that's where you would just track your burn down and as a scrum master i would transpose that manually every day into a, an excel template to get our yeah. burn down because there was no tool to use and and i still if i had my druthers and and obviously we're not all sitting in the same place anymore and, and never will be um that was the most powerful tool i've ever used with a team and in fact the, a subsequent story to that was I was working with a, a team that had been using, I don't remember which software tool, and we were struggling to get it to work right it, it, within within Agile, meaning it just didn't show us what, what we needed it to. And if you, you had to check stuff out to update it, to check it back in, and, and that made it hard if you were doing any kind of pairing and collaboration and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it, so we were doing all this gymnastics around how to make this tool work. And I was chomping at the bit to say, can we just use the physical board? And, and I'd introduced the concept of the physical board and engineers like tools, right? So they kind of right. told me that's cute. No, thank you. <laughs> and the developer sitting next to me, cause we were trying to make it work together. And I was the scrum master at the time. And he said, we should just use a physical board. And I said, it, cool. mm. and, and we moved to a physical board and, and then the reason I would, as the Scrum Master, take the data from the physical board and import it into the tool, because then you could get the historical view. Yeah. But it and that team, I, I kid you not, I'm not making this up just for purposes of hyperbole. That team started to become a self-organizing, high-performing team at that point. That was their pivot really? point. Yep. That yeah. was their pivot point. When they physically gathered around a board and moved task cards and looked at one another and talked about where we needed to collaborate and they figured out what their columns wanted to say and they created columns for um, interim steps. Mm -hmm. So if it was done with unit tests and ready for QA to write automated tests, it went into a holding and they made team norms about it or team agreements. So it couldn't go from being ready into QA for automated tests written, except unless you were actually going to do it. Um, yeah. So that way they throttled the work. So nobody got overwhelmed and they did this all on their own because they had a wall and we said, go for it. Yeah. And that I kid you not, that's the pivotal point. And I have not been able Nathan to figure out how to create a pivotal point like that using a software tool instead of a physical board. Yeah. It doesn't mean teams don't become high performing. It just means that there's something about that activity, that physical touching of the work and eyeball to eyeball on the work and physically gathering shoulder to shoulder that yeah. helps that team turn that corner really fast. That's that's interesting. I, I, I want to share my story. I have a story kind of similar to that about being on a high performing team. But I something you said about how you you can't pinpoint, you know, how to do that with a virtual team, how to make yeah. it, you know, I think that the tool sometimes put this artificial layer of perceived performance 
um, or communication between teams. They really think they're communicating through the tool, but they're not. Um, and, and we're not saying don't use tools, right? So to be clear, we're not saying your team can't become high performing. We're saying have awareness about the, the downside of using a tool and find a way to compensate for that when you're, yeah. when you have a virtual team. Is that, am I reading into what you're saying? You are exactly. Exactly. Reading into it or exactly what you're no, thinking? No, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Okay. okay. Exactly what I'm thinking. I, I knew, but I felt like it was better for you if I asked. Well, like I, sometimes you just tell me what I'm thinking. <laughs> I know that's our good day. <laughs> <laughs> when I just tell you what you're thinking, that's a really good day for us. I think that's that's why that's when our relationship's the strongest, Nathan. <laughs> when I just tell you and you say, mm-hmm. Well, then it's always strong. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did I interrupt? I interrupted your story. No, it's fine. No, here, here's the story. I was on a team. So your agile journey started way before mine. Because um, I'm old. Well, you're only you're you're only four months older than me. Three, technically. Three. Oh, let's let's, me. let's get this. <laughs> let's. let's uh, Well, my journey really started like in 2011, 2012, and um, I got on, I was on this team, and this was at a time where we had some tools. I was at a company that had just started using Jira, whatever uh-huh. you know that, and that was a while ago. I happened to think is that, Jira paying us to make mention of them? No. All right. Well, mm-hmm. well um, let me re-record that. The company I was with was using something similar to a tool that we use now. <laughs> I mean, frankly, it doesn't matter. But, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and so we were at this hybrid stage where um, most of the organization was learning how to use the software tool, but this team I was on still used cards. Like I described. Right. Okay. And so half of the team was in one city. The other half was in another, uh-huh. and we we actually did not start using the software tool, and we stayed with the cards on the board. And we did some things that teams just have trouble doing now. Um, at our stand-ups, we would, everybody would actually stand up. Uh-huh. We went into a meeting room uh-huh. where there was not a place to sit down. Uh-huh. Everybody stood up for 15 minutes and gave a stand up. Mm-hmm. And then if we needed more time, we moved to another room where there were actually chairs. We could actually sit down and talk and have a, have a longer discussion. Mm-hmm. And everything, there was a physical board in, um, in one of the work areas, not in my city, but in the other city. And mm-hmm. everybody could see that board and everything on the board was meant to have a conversation about. See, it, you know, well, all the work that was on the board there is mm-hmm. something that you had to talk about and actually provide a status. Well, mm-hmm. I hate to say status, but provide an update right. that, that snuck out. Sorry, mm-hmm. Agile folks. Um, but well, you want to stop and talk about that for a sec? Sure. I know that's a little bit of a rabbit hole. You use the word status and then you winced and I winced and then you apologized. Right. Let's right. talk about why we both winced at that word. Um, status is... I wince because status is a word I associate with um, what is your progress? What have you done? Um, are you on schedule? Um, are you red, green, or yellow? 
um, and status is a point in time measurement that doesn't always help you deliver something. It's and, usually about out output. Yeah. And it's usually for someone who's not involved. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about the benefit of the standup, it is the micro, I think the smallest level of planning I know of uh, that, that a team does collectively around the work to meet the goal. Yeah. And a status doesn't, it usually talks about a bigger goal and typically somebody else's goal, not usually the folks whose hands are on the keyboard. You know what? You said that so well. Well, that's what I'm here for. Okay. Yeah. You want to pick up your story? Sure. All right. Um, but we stayed with the visual physical board where everyone had to have a conversation uh -huh. about their updates, about the work that was represented on the board and that that the conversation that we had was about delivering what we committed to. Uh -huh. And we were, that was, that was the first, the first real high performing team that I was on. And we didn't let the tools trip us up. In yeah. fact, once we started using the tool to communicate and ask questions, it, it, it actually prevented us from communicating. Uh -huh. because you got, have you, you ever have gone into a place and said stop using the tool we're going to use a physical board when you're trying to help a team get back on track for example if they've started down an agile path and they're struggling a bit i've i've never um had the opportunity to get far enough to to request the board to use a physical board you're you're nicer than i am i've gone into places and said no tool and i've actually cut access off like we're cutting the tool out i'll put the information in as the scrum master or the agile lead or whatever it was i was doing at the time but the team i just said i'm booting y'all out of the tool and booted them out to force the conversation that is what's really critical to getting high performing teams to get to po uh, successful delivery for the customer yeah um but we all great. know you're nicer than i am well the thing is you know well, we went sometimes back to people, it, Nathan. Well, sometimes some people work for companies that say you have to use the tool. Mm. And so it's, it's not an option for them to say, well, I'm not going to use the tool. Well, I did the work for them. So they would update it on the physical board and I would transpose that. Yeah. I did that for years. But it, and that's what I guess I mean by if, if you're going to use a tool and you're right, Nathan, we go into companies now at an enterprise level, I probably couldn't get away with that at a right. small to medium sized company. I totally could. But even at the enterprise level, and this is kind of an encouragement for scrum masters out there listening to us, make the tool work for the team. Don't make for the team work for the tool. And so even if you have people from up on high saying, this is the way we do it, this is how we're going to use the tool, as a scrum master who is in service to that team, can you do that for them in order for them to have more time to communicate and collaborate and learn what it means to come together and talk more to each other and have yeah. those conversations that are so critical? Cool. So we also talk in this episode about frameworks, methodologies, what they mean, what they don't mean. You want to chit chat about that a little bit? Sure. So yeah. there's kind of three words that we bat around, right? Framework, process, methodology, and they swirl around and they create a cloud of confusion. So if you, I, this is apparently the Alicia Ask Nathan show. <laughs> how, how, how do you break those down? If I come to you and say, well, what, first of all, what is the difference? And second of all, what do I care? Why do I care? Right. They're just words. Yeah. Well, framework, um, 
you know, it's just a, it's a loose set of guidelines. There's there's some aspects of frameworks that um, are perceived a little stronger than a guideline, uh-huh. but they are generally a loose set of guidelines that um, an individual or a team follows to do something. Sometimes it's not even to produce something, but to do something. Uh-huh. It's just a loose guideline. A process is um, process and methodology sometimes get confused because both of them have definite steps to Uh get to some result. Um, So those are more prescriptive. Uh You know, they have more like a recipe. They're more like a recipe. Uh They have phase gates that you have to go through to get through to the end of whatever it is, whether that's Uh an output, an outcome, um, or whatever it is. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Agile, most of the frameworks that we discuss in Agile would fit in under the definition of a framework. Guidelines. Yes, the yeah. guidelines. Have you, I'm trying to think, um, I'm trying to think if I have an interesting story. I have a story, I just don't know if it's interesting about working with folks who are going from very much of a process methodology type environment to more of a framework guidelines type environment. And what I have found is while I thought it was freeing and for me, it was so easy to make that change. And I assumed, well, every, <laughs> this is like common sense. This this jives. That's not true for everybody. And a lot of people have comfort in the the steps, the very explicit steps, like the recipe steps of a process or a methodology. There is comfort in following that. And maybe I'm a little bit of a rebel and I didn't like that I had to follow one through 10 the same way every single time. Yeah. Um, and so I found that folks who like that, who get comfort from the, the, a process or a methodology, and a lot of times it's checklists or like you said, phase gates or mm-hmm. um, approval processes, because if someone else approves it, well, then the heat's off me, right? Because Nathan, I submitted it. You approved it. If it's wrong, you're you're implicitly it, right. in trouble too, if you will. Or that you know, it's it's your head on the chopping block too. Those are awful phrases, but that's really what what we say. What do we? What do people like to say in waterfall? There's one neck to choke, and I thought, good. That's like when we say postmortems. Like, why are we killing people, and why are we talking about death? I, we're releasing products to customers, but and and I. I really, a lot of times, don't have awesome success at folks who really feel a high level and a high degree of comfort in following a methodology and helping them adapt and adopt to something else. I don't have, off the top of my head, I don't have a story of where that went well. I have stories where it happened, but not stories necessarily where it went particularly well for folks who felt firmly planted in how they were doing what they were doing yeah it's tough you know i i just i i i want to acknowledge that it is tough for those people who are moving from a defined process or um step or procedure of work into what is a frame framework and a lot of that can also be um you can consider you know the person making the move from always being told what to uh-huh. do or having this defined process to uh-huh. being being told, hey, look, 
you don't have to do that anymore. You can figure it out yourself and you can even innovate Uh um, in a self-organizing way on the way you want to work or deliver in this framework. Uh That is actually scary for most people. Uh And, you know, Uh there's, you can you can do searches on the internet and find that it, you know personality types kind of gravitate to one or another uh-huh. um, but like you i don't have much success helping those folks that are really anchored in uh-huh. a process of anchored, work that's the word i wanted yeah. move over to to a framework right yeah yeah that's true and it doesn't mean it, it can't be done i would just say that it is the the degree of success is a little lower. I don't know if that sentence even made any sense, but um, there's, I, there's not a high, I have not had a high degree of success. Some people do it. Definitely. I've seen it happen. It's just hard. Yeah. It's just harder. And I think folks go through a lot more. Well, it's just more painful mm-hmm. for those folks, but, yeah. but not, but again, I don't think agile's for everybody. I don't either. I, I really don't. I mean, it's one thing I wanted to point out and give a little credence and a call out or shout out to the Scrum Guide is the Scrum Guide, interestingly enough, I uh, just came out, was it late last year, right? With some revisions, late 2020, I think. And they they call it the rules of the game. Oh. And so when we say that, well, Scrum really has no rules, I'm not sure how that myth got perpetuated, but that's not true because the the... The two co-founders of Scrum, so Ken Schwaber and Jeff Sutherland, created and have edited the Scrum Guide over the years, and they they call it the rules of the game. So while it's a framework and guidelines, those guidelines are specific. There there are some specific guidelines to get you to the end goal. Yeah. And and how you make use of those, well, that's where the innovation comes in. That's where the individualization comes in, if you will. Yeah. Is there anything else we want to dig into for this episode, do you think? Um, I would say there's – I have one thing to share. So um, when we talk about the teams going from a mythology to a method, a mythology, a methodology. Did we talk about that? <laughs> I didn't come prepared for that discussion tonight. <laughs> How come I, didn't, I, yeah, I get a text message that says we're talking about mythology? I got to dig up that book from my bookcase someplace, Nathan. <laughs> oh, that's um, my bad. So the methodology to a framework, there was about a year. Um, it was actually about a year and a half where I was coaching. I was coaching teams and um, I was pretty I was really ingrained in the teams. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I used to tell the teams as they were moving from waterfall, this defined it was a defined process of work where I was working into um, scrum and agile. I used to say, well, in waterfall, you had a defined process that you had to follow. You were told what you were supposed to do and you had to deliver it. I said now in scrum you get to act as the expert of your work you get to Mm self-organize and determine how that work is done Mm -hmm. and you need you 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 are able to provide feedback on when you can actually deliver the value of that work Mm -hmm. for about three years with every team i had that was the scariest thing i ever told them because a lot of the people there who had been working in waterfall or these other defined methodologies or processes, they were scared to death of mm. 
thinking on their own, coming up with their own answers, being uh -huh. the experts of their own work. They had been told what to do and how to do it uh -huh. and what quality to deliver for so long. Uh -huh. That was comfort to them, uh -huh. as you kind of mentioned earlier. Are you so, stealing my words? I am. I uh -huh. am. But right. I, I think, you know, if, if we if we when we look at that, and we start asking, well, why is this, why do team, why do um, organizations and people gravitate to tools? I think tools gives them this comfort. artificial comfort and power and control mm -hmm. where they think they're going to be able to control a, uh, some kind of process that they're accustomed to. Or control the, to the control an outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Should we, uh, should we give a listen to what our team does next? We should. Jump into episode three. Let's do it. Okay. All the music in our podcast is created by Gilpin Hill. That dude. Now that dude is great. He can play some music. I'm telling you that. Mm-hmm. Chris Tolino, also known as Sweet Tony, also known as One Take Tony, is the voice actor on our podcast introduction this season. Chris also played the role of Manager One throughout the season, and Chris, we thank you for both. Special thanks to our friends Bay Hall, Lauren Harrison, Eric Harrison, Arnold Panjanaban, John Amaranjan, Margie Morse, Ryan Babbage, and Shrikanth Reddy who were all script actors for the episodes in this season. If you are looking for exceptional Agile coaches, look no further than this collection of great people. You can find this podcast anywhere podcasts are available. We are Alicia, Yannick, and Nathan Chawilawuashe, the Agile Twins. If you have questions, comments, or ideas, you can connect with us at transformationsimulation.com. Thank you for listening.